Thanks for tuning in to the New Life South Coast podcast. We want to extend an invitation to sit in live with us during our weekend service. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message inspires you, but also challenges you in your walk with God. For more information, visit our website at newlifesouthcoast.com. Now here's Pastor Marco with an encouraging word. We've been in this series, Go for the One, taking a closer look at this reckless love of God for all people, not just some people. And that, and that this love is so reckless that it makes absolutely no sense because you don't earn it. You don't deserve it. And that is for everyone. We talked about last week how Jesus tells a story that has been known as the story of the prodigal son, but really is a story of the prodigal God because it's a story about two sons, not just one son. And we talked about how these two sons basically represent how we go about trying to find happiness. One son goes through the path of self-discovery. The other son is going through the path of self-righteousness. And Jesus is trying to make a point that both of them have missed the point. This is dead-end street, that you can go through self-discovery and find yourself in the dumps like he did. And you can go through self-righteousness and find yourself upset and angry because things didn't go the way you wanted to go. Are you following? So I want to dig a little deeper this morning on this older son. I think that this story, if you pay attention to the audience... Jesus was really talking mostly about the older son. That's why I think this story has been wrongly titled the prodigal son. Because really, if you look at the audience, the first verse gives you a clue. Jesus was talking to religious leaders. They were the older brothers of the story. And today, if you pay attention, you and I might be the older brothers in the story. This is where it gets interesting. This is where the rubber meets the road. Is that sometimes you hear a message, you're like, oh, I wish someone was here. But I think Jesus is talking to you. I think he's talking to me. I think he's zeroing in on some things this morning that if you're up for the challenge, it's actually liberating. It can set you free from a lot of things. Because the struggle, the reason why I'm doing this, this like a pre-sermon, pre-sermon thing, is that the struggle with the gospel is that we put so many things in front of it that has absolutely nothing to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We make it about all these side shows that means absolutely nothing. And I think yesterday was a great illustration of that. God is trying to preach to the world, but here's people talking about, I can't believe they spend this much money. It's like, forget that. Can you pay attention to this, what God is trying to say here? Like he's trying to preach the gospel to people everywhere. And here we are having arguments about the wedding. <laughs> You know, you get what I'm saying? Like, it's easy to lose track of what matters and why we're here this morning. And so I'm praying that today that you zero in. I hope you can lean in a little bit with me today. I pray that you can just come a little closer and say, go ahead, challenge me. Challenge me because I want to be more like Jesus. I want to be less like myself. Challenge me because I don't want to miss the point of why I'm here. It's, it's possible to miss the point. This is what Jesus is trying to say. He's talking to people who thought they knew it already and missed it completely. And I'm praying, church, that we don't miss it. I'm praying we don't miss the heart of God in all of this. We can get religion and miss God. This is what's been messing with me. We can do a cute religious service and miss God completely. We need to get his heart. Can you say amen? And so I want to jump in right in the, in the, in the end of the story where we're just going to zero in on the prodigal, on the, on the older brother this morning. As the prodigal comes home, they throw in a party. And here's how he responds to this party. 
verse 25 says, Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrated because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you. Never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, you never gave me one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet, when this son of yours, not even, he doesn't call him his brother. When this son of yours, he can't even, he can't even come to grips with the fact that this is his brother. Think about that for a second. When this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf? His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me. Everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Can you say amen? One of my absolutely favorite spiritual activities to do in life, my favorite absolutely thing to do in life is to watch a good movie. You didn't know movies could be spiritual, but they, they are in my world. I feel like, this, this kind of sound really weird, but we're already there. But God speaks through me through movies and shows. I, I really, I see him downloading stuff all the time. And my favorite thing about movies and shows, for me, if you really want to get me to pay attention, you, you got you to gotta tell me a story about a certain character and how this character has developed into the person that he or she is now. Like, I love when you take me on a ride like that. I love to see how is it that this person went from being a, 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 a teacher to becoming a drug dealer in Breaking Bad. You know, you, <laughs> y'all not familiar with that show? Y'all are too spiritual. I'm sorry. I'm talking to the wrong people here. But there's something powerful about the development of a person. How does a person go from, 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 from this end to that end? And we see it in life all the time, right? And we're like, what happened to that guy? You ever watch the people on the news when someone does something really crazy, they always go like, he was a good guy. <laughs> I mean, I used to see him taking out this trash. But it's like, you didn't know what the dude was actually doing in his basement, Character development is powerful because people don't change overnight. It's usually over time. Right? You are who you are right now over time. You didn't become who you are yesterday. Right? Or the day before. It's been a long time coming. Good, bad, or ugly. Right? It's been a process. You know? And all of a sudden you wake, you're like, whoa, how did I get here? I tell you this because the story of the Pharisees is a character development story. If you know their history, they didn't start here hating on people. They didn't start here bashing Jesus. Actually, if you look at their history, they started as the people who wanted to live holy, righteous lives. That was their baseline. That's where their heart was years before we get to this point. They actually wanted to preserve 
what they call the holiness of God's people when they were enslaved by the Romans. Like they were, they're like, how do we stay true to who we are? That was their heart. That was their intention, was to be true to who God was in the scriptures. And so they went about studying scriptures to say, okay, how do we become the people that God wants us to be, even though we don't have a place anymore? Are you following? And so it was over time that it became about something else. Because it's truly over time that you lose focus of your why. You know, we all have a why. And when we lose focus of our why, it's usually to mess up the how and the what. Are you tracking? All of us. I don't care if you're religious, irreligious, you know, agnostic, atheist. We all have a why. The why is the focus of our lives. And when that why becomes blurred, the how and the what will go out the window. So they wanted to be holy, which, by the way, the word Pharisee is, set up, is the word set apart. They want to be set apart, distinct. So you can say, well, look, this is what God's people looks like. But the problem is over time, they lost track of the why, and it became all about the how. And the problem is when you become all about the how, you may do it right, but your heart may be wrong. How many times, let's be real for a second, we're in church, but how many times have you done something right but with the wrong motive? How many times you said God bless you but didn't really mean it? How many times have we done stuff that our hearts are saying something else? This is what happened to them. This is why Jesus said to them, he said, he said you're, you're, you worship me with your lips but your heart is far from me. God is not just so concerned with the how and the what, God's concerned with the why. Motives matters to God. Intentions matter to God. Why? Because he created us in his image and likeness. He wants us to come from a place that is fully reflecting who he is. And so when we get to this point, these people didn't arrive here. Yesterday they arrived here over time. This is how things will snowball when you stop checking your why. It's what happens when you begin to lose focus on why you're doing it and you just go through the motions of what you're doing. This is how marriages fail. You forget why you got married. This is why parenting fails. You forget why you are a parent. Right? This is where businesses fail because you begin to cut corners as opposed to remembering the why you started a business in the first place. And this is where churches lose it when they begin to focus in on the how and forgot the why. Are you tracking this morning? So we don't arrive here yesterday. We arrived here years, actually, because they lost focus of the why they were doing the things they were doing. And I got to pause for a second and ask you, do you know your why? Is it clear? Because why gets muddy over time. If you lose track of your why, you will forsake the how and the what. It's so critical that we get this as God's people. Because Jesus is talking to people who thought they were doing God's will. If you forget what your why is, you might even be going against the same God you think you're standing up for. It happens all the time if you're not paying attention. And so, and so listen, let's look today. It's, 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 it, it's going to require self-evaluation. You can't check out mentally if you're serious about Jesus. If you're serious about God's will, you you got to track today and say, are there some things here in my life that maybe is reflecting the older brother as opposed to who I'm supposed to be in God? We're going to have to do some self-evaluation if you're going to be serious about doing God's will. Like, if you want to go through the motions and be religious, just keep doing what you're doing. 
But if you're really serious about Jesus, then, then open your heart for a second and, and, and wrestle with some of the stuff that God is trying to wrestle with the Pharisees in the first place. Are you tracking? So the Pharisees are the older brothers. Let's make that clear. The story is about religious leaders who have lost their why. That's the point of the story. Not the younger son. He was making a point. The younger sons, they welcome in. You know why? At least they know they lost. It's much of a challenge when you don't know you lost. He's telling three stories to say, wake up. Are you understanding what I'm trying to say to you guys? This is about you missing the heart of God for your lives. So pay attention this morning because there's a lot here that Jesus is trying to unpack for us. If you're taking notes, the first thing you notice is the older brother was angry. Anger and bitterness is one of the first things you see when we lost track of the why. When life doesn't go your way, do you get angry? You get bitter. That's a sign you might be having the older brother spirit. Everybody gets angry. Everybody gets bitter. We know that. But why? Why? Why is he angry? He's angry. Catch this. He's angry because he believed that he should be getting certain things from God. And he believes that the way that he's done life, he deserves it. Not only does he deserve it, he believes because of how he has lived his life, some people don't deserve it. So you got to track back to why are you angry? Is it because you have created a God for yourself? You have created how you think God should act towards you and others. He's not just angry at God. He's angry at his brother. And when you're angry at God and angry at your brother, eventually you become angry at yourself. Pay attention. This is the reverse of what Jesus said. Jesus said, love God with all your heart, my soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. This guy hates God, hates his neighbor, and hates himself. This is what religion will do to you. When you reverse the whole thing and make it about yourself. His good deeds, catch this. His good deeds was just to control things. He wasn't doing good deeds just for the sake of doing good. He was doing good deeds for the sake of setting himself up. Are you tracking? Why do we do the things that we do? Is it to control God? Do we pray to control God? Do we give to control God? Do we worship to control God? Do we fast to control God? Do we do spiritual things to control God? Or do we do it just because we love God and we love people? Why do we do it? He is angry because the results didn't come back the way he, supposed to, he thought should come back to him. 
And you got to ask yourself the question, when do I get angry? Why? Is it because I want things a certain way? He created his own anger. Life will throw things at you. But sometimes it's you throwing things at life. He created his own world of bitterness. Because he decided this is how things should go down. Blaise Pascal said something really powerful. He said, God created us in his image and then we return the favor. We create God in our image. So we say things like, how can you celebrate him? What about me? It's nothing more sad when religion becomes selfish. Where it's about me, myself, and I. The second thing you see here, if you're tracking, is this feeling of superiority that comes over this brother. He believes he's superior to his younger brother. So much so that he won't even call him his brother. He says, that son of yours. Usually, here's how you can tell if there's an older brother spirit in you. You highlight your good things. And you compare it to others. Usually, big brothers are hardworking people. They have morals. And they think they're smarter than everybody else. They're wicked smart. And what comes with that is this. Now, is anything wrong with being hardworking and moral? Of course not. But it, it's the problem when that becomes the mark of your life over everybody else. What happens after this? Well, here's what happens. There's a competitive comparison that comes over you. Because older brothers only feel good about themselves when they compare themselves to someone who is less than them. That's where they get their self-significance from, is by comparing. We don't do it directly, we just do it indirectly. We say indirectly, at least I'm not like. We scroll through Facebook like, mm, look at these, look at these guys. Look, look at it, look at it, look at it. Ready? Ready? Royal wedding? Really? Really? $45 million, really? But this is the same people who never donated to anything. And what happens when you, your self-significance is based on your merits? Well, you don't forgive. You have an unforgiving and judgmental spirit. Couldn't forgive his own brother. Do you know why some people can't forgive? Because if you think you're better than somebody else, you can never forgive them. You own forgiveness. You own it. It's yours to give or not give. This unforgivable and judgmental spirit is the reason why a lot of people are not in church today. Because we decided, I hold the key to you coming in or out. 
Not realizing that when you don't forgive, no, you don't hold the key to unforgiveness. You hold the key to your bitterness. You became judge and executioner. The problem is who's going to judge you and execute you? Are you good with me so far? You still love me. Next thing you see is there's this joyless spirit over this man. Because when you serve from a place of entitlement, joyless is your reward. This is joyless and fear-based compliance. He's doing the right thing with all the wrong motives. Of course the outcome is joyless. Just look at some marriages. Why is it joyless? Because I'm doing this for you. Here comes Batman. You ever seen some parents? The kids are a burden. Get over here. You ever been greeted by an angry usher in church? Sit over here. I thought I could, I could, you over here. <laughs> All these years, I've slaved for you. That's the word he uses. He didn't say all these years. It's been a blessing to be under you, Father. All these years, I've slaved for you. That's the word he uses. What is the word slavery? I'm not doing this because I want to. Catch his heart. He's telling you who he is. With his own words. When people tell you who they are, believe them. Slaving for you. All these years. This is obedience. Strictly out of duty. Now don't get me wrong. In order to get things done in life, there's got to be a sense of duty. But if the duty doesn't go down to the motives of love and grace and compassion and healing. Listen, joyless will always be the outcome. It will always be the outcome. You ever see people in church who think they're doing God a favor? I showed up. <laughs> and you think God's in heaven going, <laughs> he came. Like when I was a high school student, kids would come in and go, I did my homework. I'm like, you want a prize for that? You did what you're supposed to do? I took out the trash today. Oh, you did? Do you live here? Oh. Catch this. There's no joy, no love. Why? Because he did the good things he did out of fear. Slaves only obey out of fear. Children obey out of love. Jesus said... That if you love me, you will obey my commandment. Why? Because you love me. Not because you're a slave. Now, this is where it gets interesting, church. When this is our heart, there's a pressure to appear happy and content. You ever seen people put on a fake smile? 
welcome to church. <laughs> Say, bro, you look tight. No, oh, praise the Lord. <laughs> you ever see people try to worship instead of worshiping? <sighs> <sighs> You ever people see, you ever people see get tight when the offering comes by? Like you're just asking to sell drugs? <laughs> that was the longest minute of my life. Oh, we're going there today. We're going there. Every few months, you hear about a church scandal somewhere. And you say, how in the world? It was all a fake. It doesn't start as a fake. It starts from a place that we want to be holy. We want to be set right. We want to do the right thing. And then over time, we lose the why. It becomes about the how and what. So I got to look good. And we're surprised every time. In the meantime, there's money missing. It's always three things. It's money, it's power, it's sex. When are we going to see through the devil's lies? It's every single time. It's the same things. Same thing. Major church scandals, and it breaks your heart. Because God gets a black guy with it. The world says one more time, see, that's why I don't go to church. See, that's why I don't go to church. All these hypocrites. See, when we put on a front, we are fostering hypocrisy. We're making it easy for hypocrisy to take root. It's easy. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. But empty hearts. It's easy to put on a front. That's what Jesus is trying to say. We shouldn't be surprised with hypocrisy. We created it. I'll be honest with you, we created it. We've created celebrities instead of servants. And then we wonder how they fall. Because we worship them instead of praying for them, instead of pressing them, instead of helping them. Create a celebrity culture, and then we wonder why. Why do these young kids lose their minds? Because you can't take the glory for yourself. Sooner or later, you've got to mess it up. Why is it that people have good marriages and they have affairs? They lost their heart for their marriage. Grew out of love, we say. Whatever that means. Church, are we paying attention today? The last thing you see, because I want to get to the good part. I don't like this part. I really don't. But we got we to deal with it. You see that there's a lack of assurance in his heart. He doesn't know the Father's love. He said, never once I refused to do a single thing you told me. Basically, I earned my way here. Not realizing all of it was God's all along. It all belongs to the Father all along. As long as we're bent on being our own Savior, we're never going to see the reckless love of God. 
As long as we think I got myself here, there's always going to be joyless, angry, bitterness, frustration with life because life is not you. They gave it to yourself. It's a gift from God himself. He's not sure God loves him or even delights in him. He thinks he has to earn it. He thinks he has to find a way to prove himself. And you know, one of the things that really messed with me on this research is one of the ways you, you, you know your lack of, you have a lack of assurance of God's love is you don't know, you can't, you can't stomach criticism from anyone. It devastates you when someone tries to sometimes help you. But it comes across like a criticism. And you're devastated. Because why? They poke the hole through the appearance of perfection. And that messes with you. Sometimes for days you can't shake it. That someone says something about you that wasn't positive. Or someone tried to steer you in the right direction. Believe me, I'm preaching to myself. When people are trying to help us, and we take it as offense. Why? Because we're not okay with not being perfect. We're not okay with the fact that we're still on our way, that we have work to do, that it's okay, that people can come into my life sometimes and help me. And the truth is, if we're being honest with ourselves, we can learn a lot from those people we call haters. We can learn a lot from people. Now, they may come from bad places, but God can still use it to say, you know what? There's a hint of truth in that that you can pay attention to that might help you become a better person, become a better version of you if you just let it be. We don't have to answer everything on Facebook. Do you ever ask the question, why do we feel the urge to answer everything that people say? Something's wrong when we have to always defend. We have to have the last word. You have, you have any people that, that always have to have the last word? Yeah, but. I'm going to let you finish, Kanye, but. This Kanye is all over our lives. Oh, can I just say one more thing? Can I just, just one more thing? Can I just, I just, um, I mean, this is it. This is, I just need to say this one last thing. Can I just, can I just say this one last thing? You've been doing that for the last 20 minutes. It's been one last thing over the last thing. My friends, here's what happens. Here's what happens. We become victims. We become victims. We're meant to be victors. But we become victims. Woe is me. It's me against the world. No one cares about me. In the meantime, they're trying to care. They're trying. You don't let them care about you. Oh, I've been hurt before. Who hasn't? Unless your name, unless you have a friend named Wilson, you live in an island, you will be, you will get hurt. It's going to happen. Now, here's what happens, church. When, when, when there's no love connection with God... You don't have a prayer life. It's one of the symptoms of an older brother. Your, your, your prayer life is dry. There's no meaning there. 
It's, it's pointless. It's redundant. Why? Because you don't believe it's a, it's a love conversation. Let me give you an example, right? People in our lives, right? You, you work with some people. So your conversation with this, that person at work is work-related. Then there's some people that you're kind of cool with, and so you can go so far with them because you have a connection there. But then the people that you really love, you talk about everything. That's supposed to be prayer. Prayer is not supposed to be business. Prayer is not supposed to be we can go this far. Prayer is, man, we in love. And so we can talk about anything all day because there's no hiding anything. The Bible says, where can I go to hide from your presence? I go to the depths, you're there. Everywhere you're there. Why? But, but if we, listen, the reality is older brothers don't have a prayer life. They have emergency prayers. They don't have a prayer life. There's a difference. Bail me out. Remember, I tied it this week. I went to serve the city this week. Come on. It's not, my God, you're my father. And I love you and you love me. We're in this thing together. That's a prayer life. It just keeps going. When you leave this place, you keep praying. On Monday, you keep praying. On Tuesday, you keep praying. Wednesday, you keep praying. Thursday, Thursday, you're like, man, I got to pray. Here's the outcome, church. Here's the outcome. The older brother was clueless about his own lostness. He knew his younger brother was lost, but he didn't know he was lost. That's the hardest challenging conversation you will have with someone who don't believe they're lost. But all the signs points to, but I, I just saw your face on the carton. You're missing. <laughs> I'm not missing. That's not me. <laughs> looks very like you, though. Every, all the symptoms look like you. That's, the, that's been my prayer all week. Like, God, how do we get people to realize that they may be lost in the church? Because we know who's lost out there, right? We can see them. But what about the person that comes and shows up and does all the right things? But their heart are empty. What about that guy? That's what he's talking about. What about the guy that's done all the right things? But he goes home empty or angry. I had to show up early to serve today. And guess who didn't show up? Nice of you to join us. Don't elbow anybody. Here's what happens. Spiritual blindness happens. Jesus was making a point. He said, the sick needs a doctor. So get this, church. If you don't know you're sick, you won't go to the doctor. Eventually, you will die. See, religion will lead to misery. And the worst is, we become miserable, and they will make others miserable. And we stiff them away from God. If that doesn't mess with you, I don't know what will. That messes with me. Then I could be the older brother who's keeping people away from God. Because I've created a criteria of how you should look like. 
That's religion, people. But Jesus insists that that's not the gospel. Jesus insists that there's a difference between religion and the gospel. He insists that there's a difference between the love of God and moral religion. Gospel is the invitation to this reckless love. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. But you're welcome to the table. Gospel simply says this. You are loved. You are forgiven. And you are accepted. Period. That's the pure, unadulterated gospel of Jesus Christ. It's Jesus plus nothing equals everything. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. And so... I'm going to go a little longer today with no apologies. Get angry. Be the brother. If I get an email, you know where you stand. Older brother. Just title it older brother so I know who I'm getting it from. Gospel goals. We need some goals. The goals that we're trying to get in this church. This is the gospel goals. I pray we get this in our spirits. We want to remove unnecessary fears from church. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The reverence for God, that's the only fear we should have. We want to take away guilt trips. You know guilt can be a good thing. Because it's his goodness that leads you to repentance. If you never feel guilty, you're not a human being. Guilt can be a good thing. But I'm talking about the unnecessary guilt trips. The added stuff that God didn't add to our lives. We need to simplify Jesus. That's the hardest thing to do in this church. Anywhere. We got to declutter all the other stuff to get to Jesus. It's like trying to clean up your basement to find one little marble. Because we've made a mess of it. We've made it about everything else. Did you have the right clothes on? Are you saying the right things? Did you do this? Did you do that? Are you baptized? Are you this? What happened to Jesus? What happened to get people Jesus and let Jesus do the working of changing lives? What happened to that? I pray we, we dispel misconceptions about Jesus in church. Because I guarantee you, most of the stuff that people talk about Jesus in church means absolutely nothing. Pointless. Pointless. Our goal is to bring hope, not doom and gloom. I believe this with all my heart. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Let me just say this. I don't believe we are in an age of doom and gloom, apocalyptic, the, end, the world's going to end. I believe we're actually in a great age of rediscovering Jesus and his will and his purpose. I believe this could be the greatest age for the church if we go back to Jesus and his will and stop being weird on Facebook. Stop with the doom and gloom and, 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 and you know, the world's going to end because, because they're worshiping Beyonce or because there's a, there's a wedding. Stop all that. Get to Jesus' heart and his will and his purpose. You know how long people have been trying to see the world's ending and God's going, oh, stop. I'm trying to begin. Y'all trying to end it. I'm trying to begin hope and healing and power and gospel. Stop. 
Paul wrote majority of the Old New Testament. He was a Pharisee. He was one of those guys. He was one of them. And he said, man, I hated them. You know, some people are on a crusade for God and God's not in it. People are hating people that God is trying to love. That's what Paul was doing. He said it. Like, I was going after them like, you are the cult. You're the worst. You know how many people have called us a cult since we've been here? Because we don't fit their angry God. Because we're actually trying to love people and bring healing to the city and help this place. Let me tell you one of the biggest lies you hear. It's so funny. You hear from religious people. Well, if the church is big, there must be, you know, watering down the gospel. What, how many gospels are there? And what kind of water do you use? No, it's an excuse. It's an excuse. It's theological laziness. In the meantime, there's a world looking for Jesus, looking for love, looking for grace, and saying, wait, did you see she was going to a park, and Jesus said, go to that tent. There's love there. There's hope there. Go there. Here is Paul, right? Here's Paul. Look at this church. I'm going to end here. You guys can come up. Here's Paul, a man who hated these Christians, who didn't understand it. It was beyond him. Jesus shows up to him, reveals himself to him. He becomes the greatest missionary that's ever lived, preached the gospel, and wrote 85% of the New Testament that you're holding today. And he says this, and he says it's so powerful because he's like, I was the older brother. That was me. That was me. And look what he says reflecting now on the gospel. In Philippians, he says, we rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. Watch this. We put no confidence in human effort. Though I could have confidence in my own effort. If anyone could, indeed, if others have reasons for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. Paul's like, y'all want to talk about confidence in your efforts? Let me tell you what I've done. Look at my resume. Watch this. I was circumcised, which is a symbol of being a true Jew, when I was eight days old. Paul's like, you're talking about being catechized? I was catechized. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew, not an American Christian. He's like, I go to the source. If there was ever one, I was a member of the Pharisees. I was one of those guys who knew the Bible inside out who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous, so zealous. You know, you ever seen, I was, that was the guy. That I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. This is his resume. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Worthless. For his sake, I have discarded everything else. Counted it all as garbage. He said, I'm taking my resume. I'm throwing it in the garbage. By the way, the word garbage there in Greek is the word dung. 
You catching Paul's drift? Manure, he says. He's making a point. Yes, everything is, is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counted all garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith, not works. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. My friends, how does the story end? The father says, all I have is yours. All of it. What is all of it? Can I just, all of it, all of it. Can we go to my last slide? All of it. Life is a gift. Salvation is a gift. Health is a gift. Material possessions is a gift. Family is a gift. Spiritual discipline is a gift. Money is a gift. Work ethic is a gift. It's all a gift. All of it. All of it. This may sound weird to you, but I was telling someone the other day, I can't think of one thing in my life that I don't see Jesus in it. I walked into my, again, we're already there. I'm going to be weird. I walked into my bathroom the other day, taking a shower, and I said, you gave me this shower. You gave me this thing. I didn't make this up. I couldn't afford this thing. You made a way for me to have everything that I have. I owe all my life to you. I don't have anything else. It's the gospel and nothing else that makes me who I am, the way I think, the way I talk. The way I want to be a husband, a father, a pastor, it's all because of Jesus. And what Jesus has done for me, I can't boast on anything else but the cross of Jesus Christ and his goodness for my life. That's the gospel. It's for everybody. For God so loved the world. That's the gospel. That's it. Let's not add anything else to it. It is the gospel that has changed me. It is the gospel that makes me repent. It is the gospel that tells me I don't want to live the same way. It is the gospel that makes me who I am today as I speak to you. And this morning, I want to repent to you that sometimes I am the older brother. Sometimes I'm the harsh one. Sometimes I miss it. But today before you, I want to say to God, I don't want to miss the point. I don't want to be the older brother. Sometimes I miss it. And I'm not interested in being right. I'm interested in being righteous. I want to get before him one day. I want him to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's my prayer for all of us. All of us. Can hear God say, well done. So I believe today is a day of repentance, church. Today is a day of laying down some of the stuff we talked about. Every week we do an altar call for people to come home. But today I'm saying you are home already. Understand why you're home. Understand why. Because the beauty of this thing is the older brother is supposed to look out for the younger ones. If you've been walking with Jesus for a while, the goal is not for you 
to become more and more whatever you think it is for you to become more and more like Jesus and to help others become more and more like Jesus. If we're going to accomplish anything in this church, let it be that we're creating a place where people can love God and love each other. And we love ourselves too. You don't have to beat yourself up. You just have to surrender the struggles to the Lord. It's not his will for you to be angry and bitter. It's not his will for you to be joyless. It's his will for you to have a pure heart, a right spirit. It's his will for you to walk out of this place filled with love, knowing that you are loved unconditionally. Because when you know that, then it's easy to give it to others. Because you can't give what you don't have. Thanks for joining us today. If you want to connect with us, you can find us at newlifesouthcoast.com for any further information.